Welcome to the Old Galway Diary podcast. Each week, Tom Kenny and I, Ronnie O'Gorman, write a column in the Galway Advertiser. Before it goes to press, we contact each other and share what is filling the page that particular week. This podcast is that conversation. And I would add, we enjoy talking to you and would appreciate if you would give us a rate and review on the Apple Podcast app. Thank you. Tom, good morning. How are you this morning? I am very well, Ronnie, although it's a very wet brown I am sitting in at the moment. Do you know, it was that bank holiday weekend, obviously, and Galway looked festive. And, it did. It did. Well, well, I didn't see much of it, yeah, except the gar- I, mostly the garden. Yeah. I walked down but, Key Street and place like that and it was full and the tables were busy and it really looked great. I must say I smiled. Just lovely to see people enjoying themselves like that again, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That was lovely. So we're, we're slowly getting back to it. Anyway, Tom, let's talk about ourselves now. How are you this week? I am very well uh, this week. I am writing about old Galway newspapers. <laughs> Which is, of course, of interest to the present company, at least. Yeah. Uh, Well, we know that the uh, printing dates from about the year 1430. Uh, The first book we know that was printed in Ireland was in uh, 1551. It was a book of common prayer. And uh, as as printing became more sophisticated, uh, newspapers became, I suppose, inevitable, really. the first gazettes, and that's what they were called initially, were published in manuscript. In fact, uh, the, the, the word uh, came from gazetto, which was a coin of Venice, which was the amount paid for reading the newspaper. So obviously, in the early days, a lot of people simply couldn't read, and they paid others to read them the news. But anyway... About the end of the 16th century, the earliest printed newspapers, these were quite small, quarto, uh, printed on one page or four, maybe four pages back and front. Uh, and they had names like the Book of News, the New News, the Wonderful News, the Bloody News out of Ireland, <laughs> and etc. cetera. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> because the authorities here... I. I assume they must have realized the propaganda values of these newspapers from the very earliest stage. Anyway, they suppressed them in Ireland until uh, about 60 years after mainland UK. And the first one uh, in in this country that appeared in 1685. Uh, In County Galway, the earliest I've been able to come across in County Galway was in 1756. And it was called the Connacht Journal. And since then, there have been a very significant number of different newspapers published in the county. Now, this is the only kind of area of interest for me. And they've had names like the Connacht Journal, the, the Weekly Advertiser, the Galway Weekly Advertiser. Yes, I'm aware of it, Tom, actually. Yes. 1823 to 1843. <laughs> yeah. The Galway Independent Paper, the Free Press, the Patriot. Uh, the Vindicator, the Mercury, the Packet, the Express. There are quite a lot of them, and not all of them uh, were in the city. 
There yeah. were newspapers in Ballinasloe, the Western Argus and Ballinasloe Independent. Uh, the, the Ballinasloe Advertiser, the Toom Herald, the Toom Packet, the Lockray Nationalist, the East Galway Democrat. Uh, there were quite a lot spread over, uh, but it's very interesting if you make a study, as I did a long time ago, when I was cataloging a lot of old journals and newspapers. Um, most of them have a very short history. Uh, and you've got to remember that they had the, there was no sort of competition like radio or television or social media or anything like that around at the time. Uh, so it was obviously quite a precarious business to get into. I presume yeah. some of them would have been quashed because of political views. Uh, some of them would have just run out of finance. Some of them would have, amalgamated with another newspaper, uh, maybe. And the illustration that I have is the masthead of the Galway Patri pilot, I beg your pardon, oh, the yeah. Galway pilot, uh, which is a beautiful work of art in its own right. Uh, I'm not quite sure of the date of this. I reckon it's about 1860. Uh, this paper was a weekly newspaper. And... Uh, it was printed and published by a man called Slater at his offices in Air Square, which I have a feeling may have been very close to where you were. Yeah. And also in Lombard Street, where the newspaper was printed. Yeah. Uh, and this masthead, it's, uh, it's a very strong illustration. It has a beacon like a lighthouse. It's central to it, but there are canals and railways and ships both large and small ships, uh, an indication of a lot of movement and of industry and going ahead yeah. and so on. And yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a wonderful illustration. Um, yeah. you, so could kind of, you could kind of guess that it was at the time in the 19th century when Galway was transatlantic mad, Tom, weren't they? And there was it was. Of You're quite right. Going, you know, a in boat, fact... A newspaper like that was probably launched to reflect that enthusiasm and, you know. Ex exactly. Excitement. Well, as it happens in 1862 and the following year, there was a newspaper called the Galway American. Yeah. Now, I'm not quite sure whether this was published here, although I'm presuming it was, <clears throat> uh, but it must have been mostly material sent home by emigrants mm. or I'm not sure news, yeah. but it, Usually they would have mixed up the news quite a bit anyway. Right. Um, yeah. And obviously, uh, as we get into the 20th century, um, the one real, well, there were a couple of survivors from the previous mm -hmm. century. The Tomb Herald was one, which is still there. Indeed. Happily. I think that's a Parnellite paper. It was <laughs> launched to support Parnell, I think. Oh, oh, yeah, it was in the 1830s. Yes, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Galway Express, which was very yes. located where you are, yeah. which uh, was pretty much demolished by the Black and Tans, and That's it true. never really recovered. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then the Connacht Tribune was founded in 1909, and it has survived since. But it's interesting, uh, based, as I say, on my reading of the history of papers, uh, your Galway Advertiser newspaper has actually lasted a very long time, a lot longer than most of the newspapers I have gone through uh, and their dates in the history of 
printing papers in County Galway. Right. Oh, Tom, I love what you say and I look forward to it very much. Yeah, the Galway Express is very interesting. That was very outspoken, a very strong nationalist paper and was, as you say, absolutely troused by the black and tans one night. They broke everything. And then O'Gorman's Printing Works was asked to print um, the paper in its absentia and did so until the Black and Tans came into O'Gorman's and didn't do as much damage that they did, they did to the Galway Express, but they rammed a couple of machines and made them inoperable. And uh, I think once the poor Express lost continuity, it kind of lost readership. Uh, well. uh, yeah, 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 but, yeah. But, but all of these are very well preserved in our own Galway Library down in the Cathedral Square. And yes, uh, I was coming to that. Yeah, sorry. This, yeah, well, you tell us then because I, I have used. I, uh, used well, first that. of all, they're extraordinary documents of history. Yes. Uh, and they're, they're like they're contemporary accounts of events as they happened. Yes very often by eyewitnesses to the events. Yeah. So they're hugely important and significant. And even though a lot of the content may seem kind of ephemeral, you know, but things like births, marriages and deaths, simple things like that are, yeah. are of major significance today in when so many people are trying to trace their genealogy, etc. But yeah. you're quite right. Yeah. They have, I don't know how many Galway papers they, they did have, Many years ago, they had 28 different Galway newspapers, yes. runs of them yes. in and on microphone. That's and they're fascinating. Absolutely. Yes. Now, the problem with them is that uh, you go in and you're looking for a particular <laughs> event. I know what you're going to say. Go on. A raid on a pub or something. Yeah, but then yeah, you yeah. see an advertisement for <laughs> something exactly. and you get distracted and you, you find yourself... stay focused. No, there's so much happening. No, it's very difficult. Yeah. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I love yeah, it. And I, I know that it. contemporary marketing managers yeah. think they've invented the art of advertising. Yeah. Believe me. Yeah, you're dead. 150, right. 200 years ago, they were pretty good at it too. And, and, but <laughs> yeah. they're fascinating and fun yeah. and very informative as well, by the way. Indeed. indeed. Which and is, very of course, often, the, yeah, go on. Yeah. That was the object of the exercise, yeah. was to inform the public. The other thing I think that about newspapers in those days was your predecessor, the Galway Advertiser, if it came into a house, it was read by everybody in the house, but then it was passed on to another house. In other words, each individual copy of the newspaper had quite a wide readership in it by yeah. itself uh, because people were always hungry and always will be for the yeah, news and I being know. up to date. And, yeah. you know, so, uh, yeah. so that's what it's about this week. Yeah. Tom, that's lovely. Uh, could I just tell you a little personal story? Uh, I might have told you before, because I always I tell all my stories now at least twice, I'm afraid. It must be my age. But oh, my grandfather, at, when at he least came, my grandfather, when he came to Galway in the 1880s, was able to read very well. Indeed, he could read Latin, but that's another story. But he could read English very well. And one of his first jobs was to read the Dublin newspaper in two pubs in High Street. And the Dublin paper would come in in the afternoon train and he would get the train. And of course, I only wished I'd asked my grandmother more about him. I mean, I'm, I'm really a disgrace that I didn't. But in fact, yes, he used to go and she, she said, oh, yes, they, they would ask him to read. And he would read the headlines first. What, what is there? And if somebody said, yeah, read that one. 
he'd read that story. Now, the, the one thing that my grandmother said, she remembered him saying that if there was a word famine in any article, no matter where that famine was, whether it was in Africa or in Asia or wherever, they would all stop, read that one. You know, the, the, yeah. the long finger of the 1840s was still there. Of course it was. You know, so that was very interesting. And I was fascinated to see uh, Tom Hanks, who's a film star I, I like very much, uh, has a recent movie out called News of the World. And it's exactly that. It's about uh, a retired Confederate officer, uh, soldier, trying to eke out a living after the Civil War, reading yeah. newspapers in various pubs and in various towns yeah. uh, that very few people could read, obviously. And I was fascinated to see him uh, reading out the headlines and someone yeah. would say, oh, read that. But he, he, he made it an, an, an entertainment as well. But anyway, did. Did, that yeah. was the grandfather's first job. There's yeah. one other interesting thing. Do you know which pubs there were? I don't, Tom. No, I suspect they're still in it. <laughs> they probably the, are. Yeah, yeah, probably. Anyway, it's an yeah. interesting question yeah. as well. Yeah. The yeah. Um, one. Pa- did you mention a paper called Burke's Connaught Journal by any chance? I mentioned the Connaught Journal and that it was published okay. by a man called. Uh, it was uh, Martin Burke. Ah, well, no. Yeah. Well, I have seen copies of it called Burke's Connacht Journal. So it's obviously the same. Lovely if someone could do some research on that and find out where one began and where one ended and why Mr. Burke muscled in on the on the title. But it's very interesting, the ones I've seen. They have them in the university, actually. Uh, 1791 to 1793, I think it is. Uh, but what they're discussing at length is all the juicy details from Humanity Dick's divorce case from Elizabeth Bessie, his yes. first wife. And yeah. uh, oh boy, you talk about entertainment, Tom. I mean, they, nothing was left to the imagination. Yeah. It was all there. And it must, I mean, when you think of Dick Martin's presence in Galway at the time, you know, the yeah. great Dick Martin, the yeah. man who was constantly re-elected by fair means or foul to the English parliament, the great humanity dick, the duelist, you know, and he was in yeah. all kinds of things. He was in the, he had his own regiment and he used to train them on Sunday afternoons and things like that. I mean, people must have lapped up the detail, the poor man, because most awful details, not about him, but about his wife. And, I know, I know. It was mercil- what, merciless. What the servants yeah. witnessed and all of that. So yeah. it was really yeah. great. So what you say, those newspapers have so much, so much entertainment value. And like, like you, I cannot read a newspaper page in the archive in the library without my eye drifting. To no, no, nobody, nobody. <laughs> I, I agree. It's incredibly tempting and yeah. distracting. Yeah. yeah. But what a great yeah. service the county library has done. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And I recommend anybody and everybody to go and use the service. It's quite accessible and easy to use. And I am afraid it it gets a bit addictive as well. Uh, (laughs) But that's a very good thing, too. It is indeed. It is indeed. And there's a very good staff there. And uh, and people of all ages are there as well. You know, it could be school students doing something for school, students and then researchers of all ages. 
So it's very, yeah. um, that is so interesting. And I think people are going to read that with great interest. Well, I hope so. I yeah, hope so. That's great. I hope they'll read your bit too, whatever it is. <laughs> well, well, I yes. Well, I'm doing something quite different this week, even though I must admit the poor old Galway Clifton train does make an appearance. But it's usually an appearance through the trees and in the distance, I'm glad to say, because uh, I'm doing a story, and you probably know this story, about how a man challenged the Clifton to Galway Railway to a race on his bicycle, and he won that race. (laughs) It's a a famous story. Uh, The Bailey's Garage, which was on the east side of Air Square, uh, on a site where I think the Odeon Hotel was, is probably the best way. That's right. Yeah, Uh, exactly. There's a John Henry Bailey there in the middle of the 19th century, and I believe he was the first man in Galway to have a bicycle. But he made his money, people were a bit suspicious of bicycles, he made his money actually from selling Morris cars later on in that century. And, he, and I'm sure you have had pictures of, of Bailey's garage. I've seen them somewhere. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he had two sons. He had two sons. He had a son, uh, Harry and Frank. And Frank was a very amiable guy. In fact, both brothers were very well liked in the town. Um, but uh, Frank was very amiable indeed and a bit of a daredevil and people loved him. He was good looking and a um, bit of a daredevil. They had a good family business. I, I know that Mara Simple tells us that when the carb froze over uh, in the early years of the, of the 20th century, he cycled from Galway to Menlo on the ice and cycled back again, much to everybody's pleasure. But oh, anyway, God. he was promoting bicycles. He took over that side of his dad's business and um, he couldn't have done better. I mean, you're talking about people good on PR in those days. He was brilliant. He let it be known he was going to challenge the Clifton to Galway train on his bicycle. And uh, it was a fantastic undertaking because um, I've read that the Clifton to Galway train should only take, say, one hour, 50 minutes. It should only. But of course, it did took longer because it was a very friendly railway. It would stop at various places to let people off. And sometimes, you know, like like country buses do today, I think very kindly, they let somebody off with all their shopping, you know, not too far from their home so they can walk home. And that train certainly provided that service. So Frank Bailey felt he had a chance, but that was putting it up to him. Now, there are people who cycle in from Clifton to Gorham because I see them powering along and are going up the man, gosh, climbing out of the man valley or coming in on the other road. And I must say, I admire them greatly because some of them look about my age, Tom, and they could be even a little bit older. And yet they they take to this bicycle trek from, from Clifton to Galway with great speed and enthusiasm. Anyway, I'm not going to tell you who wins, Tom. So you'll have to wait and see. But there's... You know, there are lovely moments. Uh, Now, you're talking about papers. The original report was in the Connex Sentinel in August 1906. And Morris Simple used it, and I'm taking it from Morris's book, in his book, Carbwise and Otherwise. I think one of his several books on photographs. Yeah, yeah. Um, But uh, there's just lovely little moments in it. 
the race is very grueling. How this guy did it, I don't know, because you can imagine. But the roads were very bad. The road was terrible, yeah. from Uterar to Clifton. It was tarred, yes. actually, from Uterar to Galway. But from yeah. uh, Clifton, it was rockety and potholed and loose yes. gravelled and all kinds of bad fixings that now had become a sort of a hazard. But uh, there's a lovely moment when, of course, everybody on the train knows the race is on and they're looking out to see Bailey and they give a cheer if they see him. And um, indeed, as he approaches Galway, his friends cycle out or come out in carts, horse driven carts. Uh, to see what's going to happen because there's a great climax. But anyway, um, there's a lovely lie, a quote from it where um, the, the, the porter at recess station sees that Bailey is ahead and uh, he phones up Mrs. Peacock at Peacock's, uh, yeah. and that's the Mam Cross station, and yeah. t- 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 tells the porter to go up into Peacock's and tell them to have a cup of tea ready for, for Bailey because he's just ahead. He'll have time for a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Bailey comes along and she waves him down and he goes in. And of course, never a cup of tea tasted as well as that tea, I'd say, that day. Yeah. Anyway, so it is an old newspaper story. Without the humour that it is written and without conveying, I don't want to say those days were easy days, they were hard old days, but there wasn't a lot of entertainment. And an event like this, this wonderful challenge was welcomed by one and all. Of course, captured the imagination. Crowds gathered in Air Square, dogs, children, adults, everybody, old age people gathered there to see this climatic conclusion, of which I hope you will find out if you read the column this week. I can't wait, Ronnie. <laughs> I have to tell you, by, by the way, as well, that the, um, <laughs> Bailey, the Baileys were really entrepreneurs. I mean, yeah. they started very modestly, but they had a ballroom, they had a restaurant, they had a hotel, yeah. they had a bicycle shop, yeah. Uh, and as you say, eventually they began to sell cars and so on. And uh, they probably brought the, the first bicycles into the city. Yeah. Uh, so the sheer novelty of this machine, this bicycle thing. Yeah. Uh, that people, how the hell do you get up on it and so on? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it must have captured the imagination of them all. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But as you say, it did wonders for sales as well. <laughs> it did. And it was interesting that they sold Morris cars. You know, I would have thought Ford would have been the obvious one, you know. Um, yeah, I don't I know. That Ford. was Ward's at the other side of the square. <clears throat> and they were in business at the same time, were they? Uh, yes. And then it was later, it was, um, I was going to say Bar- Barry's, but. Um, oh. Higgins's. Sorry, they were down at where the old tourist office was. Yeah, Higgins's. Higgins's, thank you. Yeah, on yeah. Queen Street. Yeah. No, I uh, remember it. They, 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 they're the ones eventually who took over the whole Ford franchise. Mm. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's interesting because Ford, you associate Ford being the big mass-produced cars of the time. Yes. Anyway, the, as you say, the Baileys sold Morris cars. Yeah. Well, at the time, the Baileys were selling them. They used to bring in the chassis of the car and fahis who were coach builders around the corner in Forster Street. That's right. They used to make the bodies of the cars. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was a very localized industry. Uh, 
they were very fine, actually. The work they did was wonderful. Fine. That's amazing, yeah. So you could have a car made for yourself if you liked. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was good. That was good. Well, Tom, once again, we will require extra space this week. And oh, <laughs> whether it's available it? or not, I don't know, but we'll see what we can do. <laughs> okay. All right, Tom. All right, Ronnie. Well, look anyway, forward I look forward to, to the end of the race. All right, Tom. Take care now. Yeah. Nice to talk to you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. God bless.